welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Here we go. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Canon in-person live. We're not having to do this on Zoom, thank goodness, with Ni Nanu, management consultant at KPMG. Ni, how are you doing today? We just had a great lunch at Fatty. Shout out to Fatty's here on I-10. And, you know, I got to say, we've got the infamous Stephen Forrester here with us today. He's the one actually who helped line this up, you know. And so how's things been, man? How are you? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing well, man. I'm blessed. Can't mm-hmm. complain, you know. That's good because if you complain, I don't think anyone listening would even care about it because everyone's got their own problems. So I'm glad you're not complaining today on the on the podcast. You're right. That's it. Well, like I said, we finally made this happen. And I'm not sure exactly. Well, actually, I, I do know, but I had to check my emails because our first interaction we had was when Trent Jacobs made an introduction back on August 30th of 2019. He made an introduction over email saying, you know, we, you need to get connected with me. Then our mutual friend, Stephen Forrester here made the connection as well. You've been, you know, crucial in keeping us trying, you know, keep the ball rolling. And there's another gentleman that I know every once in a while, you'll pop us an email and say, hey, have you guys connected yet? So he's like the podcast matchmaker. So Stephen, I really appreciate your hard work and being here today. He doesn't even have a microphone behind or in front of him and he's still here. I mean, that just shows dedication, doesn't it? I love it. So something random I just thought of. Today is the big day, opening day for baseball. Are you are you a sports fan or baseball fan, Nee, or what? Yeah, I'm a sports fan. Not yeah. too much of the baseball, but every once in a while, sneak in to watch the Astros play. Okay. So, well, you live in Houston, man. How are yeah. you not an Astro? Oh, you said you watch a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. We've got the Astros playing with Oakland A's today. So for all the baseball fans, which there's a lot of baseball fans here in Houston. So I know everyone's excited. So if you're not watching baseball, what do you like to watch then? What do you like to do for fun? Oh, man. Every once in a while, I get into basketball. So mm-hmm. I follow basketball quite often. What do you think about Harden going to the Nets, man? Oh, no, about that. You know, I, I used to live in New York. So, oh, did? yeah, but so, what? but, but it's good. Like, how do you call it? I think, I think Houston needs some time to rebuild a team, but my heart is still with the Rockets any day. It is. So, okay. Yeah. So you follow, so you, you're, you're a Rockets fan. You're not yeah. any individual player fan. No, 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 no. I'm a Rockets fan. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Man, you know, did you grow up playing basketball or do you just enjoy the sport? I just enjoy the sport. I, I grew up, I grew up playing soccer. Okay. Or watching soccer, but you know. Do you watch the Dynamo? Yeah, 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 I've been to a couple of the games, yeah. That, you know, I got to say, so I, I played soccer when I was younger for a few years, and then I got more into, you know, basketball and, and, and baseball and football and stuff like that. But watching soccer live has got to be one of the most entertaining sports. It's crazy. Like, you see on TV, they kick the ball, and it's like this tiny thing that goes, you know, 150, 200 yards, it looks like. But in real life, the way they can just manage the ball and, and how they move around the field, it's like a game of chess and their feet are like iron boots. They just, it barely looks like they hit it and then it just That's flies. right. It is so cool, man. I watched a Dynamo game not too long ago 
and it was so much fun. And then after they had people like walking around the stadium, like with, you know, like beard, like half clothes and like painting all over their bodies and they're playing trumpets and drums. And I mean, it was just a party, man. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. And then one last thing about soccer, my wife and I actually went to, we went to Europe a few years ago and it was when France won the world cup. Oh and, man. And so this was in, I couldn't have planned this any better. So we were in London when I think England was playing. Right. Then we took a train from from there. We ended up going to Paris. And then that same, when we got to our hotel is when it was halftime. So like the streets were packed. And when France ended up winning, it was literally like World War Three, except for everyone was excited, not <laughs> trying to kill each other. But people were jumping. Like we ended up, we were at a bar and we ended up going into our hotel room and we could see down. We were like a quarter mile away from the Eiffel Tower. That's awesome. Um, I mean, what a crazy experience. That's that. awesome. That Between that and my experience at the Dino, I began to like soccer. So That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you listen to podcasts, but my buddy, Chris Sands, he actually has a soccer podcast for, he lives in Los Angeles. I'm going to grad school with him and he's a huge soccer fan. So he's always giving me a bunch of, you know, crap about different teams and especially about the Houston, or, you know, the Dynamo, because he's got his team. and LA Galaxy, I bet. Yeah, yeah. He's a huge LA Galaxy fan. Whenever he's on Zoom, he's got all his LA Galaxy and Lakers stuff in the background. Like, he loves anything Los Angeles, That's which awesome. I'm, he's from there, and, you know, he's born and raised, and now he works there. So anyway, sorry to go on a tangent to everybody, but sports and, and us go again well. So, you know, it was kind of funny. I was thinking about this driving over here, Clubhouse, the app. Were you one of the original people on there? Because I thought I was one of the original. And I see on there your name. And I was like, man, this dude is on, like, he's in front of his game. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you, when did you hop on it? And are you, are you active on there or what? Yeah, I'm active a little bit. I listen to it every once in a while. Yeah. One of my buddies out of New York signed me up. So okay. it was like, I think it was November or December when it just came out. Yeah. So I just like, you know, I, I think I enjoyed it all the way through the Christmas break. Yeah. And now everybody's catching up to it. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Kind of late to the game now. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, yeah. it's, I, I get excited when new like platforms like that come out and there's a bit of hype around them. I always jump on to see what it's all about. And I don't have as much time to go on there, but it kind of took off like a cannon. But yeah, you were an early adopter. So I gotta say like, you know, just, it's good to be an early adopter. You got to test the waters before right. it gets flooded. Right. Right. So what else? Let's see. Actually, before we keep going, I do want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. Their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the WellPad operations. Technip FMC is continuing to push the limits in order to achieve full frack. The buzzword comes automation, of course. To discover more about the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. And that's not just a buzzword for TechNip. Like they're actually doing that and, and making huge strides towards, you know, just in different integrated technologies. I actually had lunch with Tony Munsur a few days ago and they have got some fascinating things coming down the pipeline. So a big shout out to TechNip FMC and all the support that they have. Nee, before we talk about your career or anything, you know, technology and all the awesome things that you're doing. I'm curious, how are you innovating this year? And whether that's with business, marketing, personal growth. I mean, coming out of COVID, what does that look for you in 2021? How are you innovating? So 2021 is so far, I think, you know, we are already four months in, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, it's almost wrapping up quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think this year is just a year to just, you know, honestly, just be appreciative of life, you know, just take it easy mm-hmm. and appreciate the small things in life. When, when it comes to innovating, just being able to think outside the box and you know, COVID has given us a new platform to look at things, right? So how do you look at innovation and things that run us in that COVID window? So, so that's my my thought. Not 
aggressive, not any aggressive setup or anything like that. Just take a seat backwards, figure out, okay, there's a new environment now. What are challenges? How do we adapt to this new, cha- new environment? Mm-hmm. Just looking out from outside the box, looking in from outside the box. Yeah, so that's yeah. my view on it. So you mentioned challenges. Like, What do you see from, from your observations? What are some of the greatest challenges that, that you face right now? Right now, and me personally, I think in oil and gas anyway, which I represent the industry anyway, I think it's more how do we adapt to this working from home? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's been an in-house lab setup where you go to work every day, you see the equipment, you feel it, you work on it, right? or you see the challenges and work on it. So how do we adapt to that, right? So that brings in another view totally on innovation at this point in time. So that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, I keep thinking about every time. Yeah. So if you can get access or hands on your BOP to test it, how are you going to be able to work on it? Yeah. Right. So that's my viewpoint. How do we create that environment to be able to work on things that traditionally has been a hands-on environment? Right. right? So that's, I keep thinking about that all the time. No. And that's the thing you got to keep thinking. And what got me thinking too, is, you know, when we met for lunch just now, you said COVID was really good for you because you're one of the only people that said you actually lost weight during COVID? No, I think I gained a lot of weight during oh, COVID. Oh, I must have misunderstood uh, you, Nia. I thought you said you'd lost weight. No, 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 no. I gained. I, gained. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I gained, I gained weight during COVID and I think even the fatties this afternoon didn't even help out anyway. <laughs> right, right. Well, hey, like you said, 2021, you, you can, you've got a lot of time to go. We're one quarter down, you got three quarters to go and it's not right. how you start the game, it's how you finish the game. That's right. That's so right. don't, you know, don't be worried. <laughs> What's something that has surprised you over the last year since the beginning of COVID? Has anything, whether it's through business, energy, you know, family or like, did any, like during COVID, everyone was, you know, a lot of people were down, you know, just the uncertainty alone created a lot of stress, but are you pleasantly surprised with anything now looking back? Yeah, I think looking back, I think I'm going to take it from the industry standpoint, how we've been able to adapt to it, Mm -hmm. you know, because back in the day, you needed X amount of people on the rig to be able to get it work done. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Drilling is still going on. Right. People are still moving. Things are coming. Things are moving back again. So I think to you, the industry was a blessing. You can look at it from that angle. So mm-hmm. I think being, being able to adjust and, you know, adapt to the new environment, I think to me, I think was amazing. Yeah. You know? Even no, like I- the offshore crew, people going offshore, coming back onshore with the virus, all, you know, the pandemic still happened there. Mm-hmm. I think that is phenomenal, you know, being able to maintain that. It has been. And, you know, fortunately, we were considered you know, like a necessary industry, or I don't know why I'm forgetting the word right now, but we were considered essential workers. And so, you know, and big shout out to a lot of the folks in the field that, you know, didn't have the luxury to, to sit at home in air condition and, you know, sit on their computers for, you know, nine to 12 hours a day. I mean, they were driving, having to stop at grocery stores, having to stop at gas stations, like really putting their lives at risk right. to help provide energy to the world. Like if that's not like that, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Like I remember when I was a field hand and, you know, driving around, going to gas stations, you know, going to the restroom where you don't, you don't remember the last time it got cleaned. These ladies and gentlemen are are heading out and and sacrificing their lives during this pandemic. So anyone out there that that was working in the field during all this, like my heart goes out to you and your families because that's a huge risk. I just, I can't express that enough. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you from originally? Yeah. So born and raised, man. I was, I was born and raised in Ghana. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a small country, about 25 million okay. off the coast of West Africa. You know? Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? Man, it, was, it wasn't too bad. You know, lived, let's say I lived about 30, 40 minutes from the ocean, right? Nice. The, it was very peaceful, right? More family oriented. Okay. So I'll say that. But it was, I, I had a great childhood growing up, you know? Okay. And just, but education so what made was it, key. What made it so good for you? 
I just think like, you know, just growing up with all my cousins, like just growing up with the family dynamic was just phenomenal. You know, yeah. being able to just grow up with in a community living system where you knew your neighbors, you could just like just play around, play outside, you know. Yeah. The weather was great, no winter. So yeah. that's why I like Texas. <laughs> yeah. I kind of a mix home. Yeah. So that, yeah. that, that to me okay. was great. Yeah. So what did you and your cousins and, and family and neighbors and stuff, what did you guys do for fun growing up? Man, it's, I, I grew up with very strict parents, right? Okay. So it was mainly got it because it was all about schoolwork most of the time. But anytime we get out of there, you know, just get out, play soccer, you yeah. know, just, okay. uh, just ride our bicycles in town. Just like, you know, whatever kid, just you normal know, kid, yeah. just normal kid yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, I hear, I'm always just interested. I mean, Regardless of where you're from when you grew up, some you know, it's it's I always just find it interesting. You know, I mean, for me growing up, it was same thing riding bikes. I grew up in the mountains in British Columbia, so it was oh, a lot nice. of it was spent on the mountains, freshwater lakes and, and stuff like that. But you know, I don't you know, to be honest, I don't know you might be the only person that I know that grew up in Ghana. So that's why I was curious. I oh, think that's it's, awesome. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Um, you should visit some time. I would love to. I love the idea of traveling. I love the idea of immersing myself in different cultures. You know, my wife and I have traveled a little bit, but Africa is a place I haven't been, but it's, it's definitely awesome. on the bucket list. So I don't know, maybe I'll have to get some advice when I make a make a plan to go out there. You can point me in the right direction. No problem, man. Just yeah. always count on me. I'll give you some knee notes. Okay, knee notes. I like that. Hashtag knee notes. That's right. Yeah, man. You need to start like a daily blog or something with your with your knee notes. So one thing that you and I had talked about, and even Steven, we're sitting here, is is I can tell you're passionate about giving back. You, you right. really have a sense of gratitude and empathy. Tell us about why that's so important to you and, and really where that comes from. Yeah, like I just grew up, you know, I appreciate the little things alive. And to me, I say America has been, you know, this has been great for me. Like, you know, coming out here, just providing a platform for me to just like educate myself and give back, I think it's key, right? So any chance I get, I don't want to stop at my level. I want mm-hmm. to be able to tend back and give to whoever, you know, because there are people that, since I've been in all in Gaza, people that have planted their whole, like, you know, like planted in me, like, you know, just take, make time out of their days to meet up with me for lunch and mentored me. So the question is, it shouldn't stop on me. So right. any chance I get, I feel like I wouldn't be here without some of those guys, you know? Right. So any chance I get, I try, I always try to get back, you know? That's true. So was there a pivotal moment in your career or upbringing? And actually, I kind of want to go back. You said your parents were very, you know, you're strict. They were big on education. Were their parents like that, or, or were they trying to instill that in you so that you could you could then cultivate a, a sort of a maybe a better life than what they had? I mean, why, why were your parents so so strict on that? Where does that come from? My, my mom was a teacher. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I get like, you know definitely it was, and I think just she just wanted the best for us. We I got I got two brothers, you know. Yeah. And she just wanted the best for us, and to her the only the only way we could get out was education. It's like hey, you got to be able to educate yourself well. Okay. You, you always got to look, you know, try to better yourself, right? So education wasn't something that, you know, wasn't an option. You had to go to school. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think that was it. And I remember okay. so well, I, keep, I, I tell everybody that I've met a story that when I was leaving Ghana, I was 19 years old, and my dad at the airport said, hey, you know what? And I always remember this. He said, life is like a ladder. So I said, I said when you're going, you're going you're, you're to be climbing the ladder. Yeah. But at some point in time in life, you're going to be climbing down. And the same people that you meet on the way up, the you know, same same people you meet on, on the way down. Right. So always be nice to everybody, Man. and that has been my motto. Like so, any like if you, I try as much as possible. If I don't even know you, I try to reach out and get to know you better, right? Because yeah. my thing is, is as in when we're climbing up or climbing down in what, whatever field or whatever day I see myself, mm-hmm. the same people I meet up, I know the same people I'm going to meet down someday. So wow, that's just uh... just try to be nice to everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that really resonates with with me. 
because I think most people out there that have done well would argue that the ladder just doesn't keep going up. I mean, at some point it it may get cut. I mean, the steps may break. You may get, you know, fall down a few rungs, but that's such a, such a key and an important aspect of life is like, don't think that you're ever, you know, above anybody else. And, And really success is defined in so many different ways, not letting the ego get in the way, but really just treating everyone, you know, with love, you know, and it sounds silly, but I can definitely sense that from you. And I, and I think that's, you know, actually, I know that's probably that contributes a lot to your success. So I commend you, commend you for, for that mindset and, and for your, for your father to kind of leave you with that thought. It's amazing. I mean, you probably, I mean, you've probably done a ton in your career and a ton in business and a ton, you know, just on your personal life, but to have those sort of memories from a parent and it struck a chord, it's fascinating, man. I think that's really neat. So you're, you're big on giving back. And so Tell us a little bit more about how important it is for you and in the volunteer work that you've done, because you obviously you, you, you don't just talk about it, you be about it. You know what right, I mean? So t- right. tell us a little bit about your volunteer work and stuff that you've done. Right. You, you don't only, I think there's a good saying that goes, you don't, you don't only talk the talk, you make sure you do the, like, you know, you walk the walk, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, I think I've done a lot of things, but one thing that's passionate about to me is like giving back to like heading back to Africa, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it, it comes back in the sense that, the industry is not only, you know, it's not only the 48. You know, you think about it, it's an international industry. And there are a lot of, I just say I was just fortunate and lucky to be able to get a chance to come out here. So, yeah, you know, to America, to school and all that good stuff, you know. So any chance I get, I try to create the same platform for people that, you know, in Ghana and anywhere in Africa, Latin America. So one organization I'm going to give shout, shout outs to is SPE. Okay. Cyber Petroleum Engineers. You know, it's, yeah. man, it's been a phenomenal career booster for me. Okay. And it's given me the platform to do anything I want to do. Because in a, in a good light. Right. So SP is giving me the chance to go back to my home country, you know, like Ghana, organize science fairs, you know, just organize a workshop to be able to bring young professionals like me back in the day and say, hey, he did it. I could do it, you know. So bringing industry experts, even from here all the way to Ghana to be able to impact lives, you know, on that on that aspect. We did the same thing in Ghana. We've done the same thing in Egypt. Oh, wow. So it's it's called the Future Leaders Workshop. So Okay. A few guys and I came up with that. So we did that a couple of years ago. Future, Future Leaders, Leaders Workshop. Workshop okay. SBE. All right. And then, we'll put the link in the show notes if anyone else is interested. Oh, yeah. We can make sure we get that on there. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have we've had the same thing in Latin America. So it's my goal is, you know, not only even in Africa in a way, but how do we grow this? How do we groom and help nature the next set of leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in oil and gas, because it's a global industry. It's not only, you know, lower 40 anyway, but I think this is where the action is, right? So you learn from here. And also help build build up on that. Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. So, so what's the journey that's led you to your current role at KPMG? Because you held a lot of you know wonderful positions. You've worked at different companies. Tell us, you know, when you left Ghana at nineteen, you said, yeah, um, for the interest of time, you know, I'd love to hear the full detailed story. But how did you get to where you're at now? Yeah, so I'll give you a quick, quick version of it. Okay, so I came out of Ghana, went to Truman State. Truman State had a two-three program at Minnesota State. Okay. So I came out of Minnesota State with an engineering degree. So I did two years pre-engineering, three years, and then moved over to New York. I had some family in New York. I lived there for a little bit. Which part of New York? Queens. I lived there. Oh, Long cool. Island, yeah. Okay. So I lived there for a little bit. And then also, at that point in time, Ghana discovered oil. So I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Big Man. It's by Brad Pitt. Yeah. About the oil and gas. So, which, interesting, I ended up meeting the pair. So George, I met George Lucy in Houston. No and kidding. happened to be a good friend of mine now. We, we, we catch up every once in a while. Wow. But he led the discovery of the oil and gas in Ghana. So growing up as a kid, I, I just wanted to you know, just work in tech, electrical engineering. So I was like, okay. So moved out of Houston, moved out from New York to Houston. 
just hustled my way a little bit. Finally landed a role in NOV, mm-hmm. you know, the design and download tools. And from there, just, you know, great phenomenal team up in Conroe. They mentored me, they trained me, they gave me the chance to be able to grow and develop, right? Shout out to my boss, Greg Lundberger. Okay. Yeah, good guy, man. He he, right. he he literally mentored me, brought me up. And then from there, had a chance to, you know, spend some time in the field, came back and designed more technology, which is great. But sometime along the line, I wanted to get to more of the business part of things. So ended up going to Duke for, for my MBA, then came back again and wanted more challenge any, anyway. So mm-hmm. left technical to more on the business side, management consultant. Yeah. And the goal is to be able to help clients, you know, with strategy, with operations, and supply chain improvements. Wow. And so that's what you're doing at KPMG. That's what I do now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how how do you like, because you you obviously have a technical background, talking about, you know, you went to engineering, then you decided to hop onto the business side of things. Would you say your technical and engineering background gives you an advantage to tie into the business side? Or talk a little bit about having, so I mean, because you're kind of, you've got two specialties, I guess, if you will. Right. I think the, with an engineering base, it's something I never like. It's something I can never lose. It, it gives me a chance to be able to critically think through s- problems, right? And yeah. be able to craft a solution based on it. So, and also gives me that analytical power to be able to solve issues, right? So at least you think through things very critical. But I think the business piece of it makes you tied to the values bringing to the client. So that's a value in the bottom line. Is there a reduction in CapEx? Reduction in OPEX, right? Is there an uptake in, how do you call it, in performance, right? Mm-hmm. So- the engineering part of it, you don't think about it because when you're, when you're designing a tool, you're like, okay, you have a set amount of budget, let's get it done, put all the bells and whistles on it. Yeah. The, the business part of it is, okay, how do we get the minimal viable product out there to test it, start testing the market to make more money? So I think that that part of it, I think, ties into it. Being able to see the big picture from the business side to see, okay, how does this impact the bottom line, I think is key. Gotcha. How would you say companies have positioned themselves now coming out of COVID compared to say pre, well, I'll go even 2013, you know, 12, because that's kind of, to me, it's, we've, we've had one long downturn. We had, I think oh. 2018, which was okay for some folks, but you know, it started sort of, like I said, back in 2014, but do you, do you think people are a little more disciplined and, and more strategic in the way they, you know, conduct business now, or what are some observations and, and kind of where do you see, you know, companies going to here over the next few years? Oh yeah. I, I think things have changed, you know, I mean, when I joined the industry, I came in in 2012. Yeah. And at that point in time, you know, tech was a little bit, tech was on steroids. Tech was going, you know, and you could see that. And oil and gas was still trying to find its way anyway. So you could see that at that point in time, we're adapting, but it was very slow. You know, capital, we're in good disciples of capital. You know, things were just, we're going to Wall Street. You see the returns. Oil was $120, $130 a barrel. Right. From the micro standpoint, we're killing it. You know, so the way, literally giving us, you know, loans and all the stuff to be able to fund this lifestyle. Mm. But 2013, like you said, 14, 15, down 10, oil went all the way down. You can see a lot of consolidation. It's not, I would have expected more consolidation now. It's a lot of more cleanup, right? So all, yeah. these, all, these, all these companies are sitting back and saying, okay, let me pull back. What am I good at? What is the core of my business? Right. I'm good at one, two, three. The rest of it, I might have to let it go. I might have to sell it off. I might have to consolidate with another. So at that point in time, everybody's leaning onto their strengths. Right. And that is the, the GE Jack Walsh model. It's either we are fast and come out third or we're out. Right. So you see a lot of that cleanup in oil and gas currently going on. Right. So yeah. like you see companies are spinning off, some of them are selling off. And also balance sheets are getting cleaner, right? And yeah. the focus now is on technology. How do we lean on that to be able to make change down? So, right. So that that that's my that's what I see. 
Okay. Changing the industry up. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And so what, what are your thoughts? And I'm curious on, you know, you say lean on your strengths. Don't go outside of, you know, your normal scope of work, you know, for whatever reason it is, but say companies like BP, okay. They're traditionally now you can question whether or not they're good at producing oil and gas, but you know, let's just for argument's sake, like they are an oil and gas company. Arguably now they're, you know, stepping out, getting into renewables and for all the right reasons. So, and you know, again, for companies like that, you don't necessarily have to speak on BP, but do you think it's 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 good for energy companies to now step outside of their comfort zones to to maybe be good stewards of the environment or to capitalize on opportunity? I mean, do you think oil and gas companies should just stick with being oil and gas or do you think it's great that they're kind of expanding their wings? I think it's great that they uh, reposition themselves to be energy companies. Mm-hmm. Because historically, it's not been that. It's been siloed. You know, it's oil and gas. Let's focus on that. Right. But there's there's a lot of opportunity, especially with this new administration. And not let's not get into politics now. But oh, we can but, if you want no, to. No, 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 I don't want to. But, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like when you look into where the capital is going, that's what we got to focus on. Right. Right. And, and just like we've been a poor disciple of capital, we've also not been that great when it comes to the environment. You know. So so mm-hmm. my thing is, I keep telling people at the time, you make a mistake, you got to fix it yourself. Right. So. I don't expect us to create this, you know, this environmental issue that we're currently facing and someone fix it for us. I think what we need to do is rebrand ourselves to be energy to be able to encompass all the stuff in there. But at the same time, the goal is we've, we've been over the past couple of years, right? We've been able to grow that technology so much with that with that know-how mm. that our skills are transferable to these right. new environments. And I think we are the best players to be able to handle that. So the I classic case is the, the wind industry, right? You look at the wind turbines, right? Yeah. No industry has been offshore more than we do. We understand the offshore game. We understand the offshore industry very well. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense for us to get in that play. Yeah. Right? So and there's so many verticals like that, that we are see as we run ourselves. But the, the underlying goal is to look at it at another day, we got to provide energy for the people that need it. Yeah. So you can't reliably and affordably. That's it. it. And clean. And clean. Of course. Yeah. No. And so, you know, that kind of brings me to my next point. Here in the US, we're extremely fortunate. We've got investment money. We've got government support. We've got the tools to make it happen. Companies, you know, non-OECD countries, India, China, you know, some of these developing countries that quite haven't reached the industrial level like we have. They haven't gone through the growth. They haven't been able to capitalize on their, you know, existing resources, coal, you know, you know, oil and gas. How do countries like that operate cleaner using clean technology when the cost of doing so, you know, perhaps is more instead of, you know, leveraging what they have to provide energy to to build their nations to get to a point where then they can start, you know, getting the support and then have the investment money to then operate, you know, with different types of energy and, and start using that. How do you see that? Or like, what's your thoughts on that? My take on that. So I think you bring up a good question. That's why I think oil and gas is not going to go anywhere in the next couple of years. I think it's going to, I think we're going to be, because when you look at a classic use case is Ghana. I come from Ghana. Right. Oil and gas has fundamentally changed the economy of Ghana. Right. So it's it's taking they have, people out of poverty, right? Right. It's not gonna so when you think about it, like I don't even maybe the Indians and those are great cases anyway. Let's get, let's go to Africa. Like it's changed yeah. the dynamics of it. So it's not gonna and there's more exploration opportunities coming up in the future on the coast of Africa. You go to Sierra Leone, Liberia, you know, you go to Ecuador, like you go to, you know, you go to all these countries. There's a lot 
like in Guyana, you know, Exxon Discovery, like it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity out in the future, right? Yeah. So these these things that you're talking about are great in terms of like how they're going to be able to adapt to new technology, new energies. It can be done simultaneously, okay. right? So I'm, I'm a fan believer that, you know, like we still can get, how do you call it? We still can be able to utilize solar panels to be able to, you know, how do you call it? Help power, not plants in a way, but operations on, how do you call it? On an onshore rig, you know? So sure. it's not about, I don't think, I think the argument is, is it ask them against us? No. I think it's, it's still can be working simultaneously, right. but the foundation of it, it's always going to be fossils. Right. And I think that's what people are missing. Like the foundation, because fossils might, not be that clean today, but it's going to be clean. It hopefully can be. It's getting cleaner. It's getting cleaner. Yeah, no, I, it, it is. I mean, you talk about, let's just hypothetically speaking, solar panels, you know, to, to help power or provide electricity to like certain operations. I mean, obviously there's some technical limitations there. Right. Energy conversion is not quite the same. I mean, there's certainly some things sort of beyond, right. you know, the high level, but I think, you know, take for example, one of my customers out in the Permian has battery technology, you know, to help power the drilling rig. And so, you know, there's been some challenges there, but, you know, their diesel consumption has gone down. So, you know, in hindsight, you know, they're operating, quote unquote, cleaner. And again, I don't know all the numbers behind it, but they're trying to make steps in order to operate in a more sustainable, you know, manner, cleaner manner. Right. But I think you're right. And I think fossil fuels is, 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 I would consider, you know, a stepping stone almost. It's like build a foundation, you know, allow us to provide energy to you know the masses and then once we do as long you know then continue to simultaneously adopt other That's energy it. you know bring all like it to me i would agree it's not this or that it's this and that right and so anyway no i'm, I'm glad you brought that up and i know we're getting close to the end here so i do want to wrap up with one last question maybe we can do a round two because i think we're just scratching the surface but i want to ask a question more more just on the you know the personal side of things is for, for you you're busy you've got a lot going on you're volunteering you know, what's something about you that not many people know about with respect to like, do you have any daily habits or routines or do you have anything that really just kind of helps you stay engaged, stay focused, stay motivated? Do you do anything on a regular basis, whether, you know, whatever it is, do you have anything? I think one thing that people, a lot of people see me as an extrovert. Okay. Which I think it's good. You know, I did the, how do you call it? I did the, the Myers Bricks. I don't know if you've ever done that yeah. test. I think you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I came up like, I think mine was like EMPT. Okay. So I think I'm an extrovert, but at the same time, I'm an introvert. So every day, I think I want to spend some time, at least an hour, two hours, just by myself, just chill. Yeah. <laughs> because I like the super high energy. I like the interactions, but I also like the me time. Yeah. Where, like I just sit down and chill. So I think it gives me that balance, you know? So, so okay. that's it. So, so as just, long as you've got a little knee time oh, yeah. to recharge, yeah. then that then it allows you to kind of empty your cup and get ready to fill it right back up. That's right. Yeah. No, that, that's great. Well, look. That energy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Well, look, I really appreciate it. And then before we log off here, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th, in the CSPG Geo Women eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, 
So make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Awesome. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Nee, thanks again for joining me today. What's the best way for people to reach out or to know more about you or your initiatives or some of these volunteer initiatives that you have going on? What's the best way? Man, just reach out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Everybody look for me. My name is Anii. Last name is Ninu. But I just I just go with knee, just like your knee. Yeah, you know, just, just like your knee. Well, yeah, straight simple. Straight okay, well, short and simple. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, your name will be, you know, obviously, you know, in the show notes and in the title of, of the show. But again, knee, it's been such a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. It's been a long time coming. And, you know, I'd love to do a round two down the road because I think there's so many different, very interesting topics that we can keep chatting about. But anyway, for everyone out there, that's a wrap. And always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.